Welcome everybody to Bucky's Fifth Podcast live here at Beer Rock 2911 North Sherman Avenue here on the north side of Madison. I am Jay Kokorowski from Bucky's Fifth Quarter. How's everyone doing tonight on this Tuesday evening? Yeah, I like hearing that. I like hearing that, folks. And uh, kind of a gloomy start to the week, but guess what? The bye week is over. Wisconsin is preparing for the Nebraska Cornhuskers coming into town. Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time and uh, on BTN. And, of course, Bucky's fifth quarter will be there up in the press box uh, for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. So, uh, great night here. Thank you all for coming out. And, of course, make sure you guys check out Beer Rock uh, for those that are listening to this podcast at a later time. 2911 North Sherman Avenue, the most delicious food I've had in a while. And I'm not just saying that because they let us have the show here, honestly. That caramel apple beer rock is my i think my top dessert i've ever eaten uh among that and they have great food here so make sure you guys check it out and uh you know like i said this week we got some uh, a lot going on right now we got recruiting we'll get into that in a little bit we have wisconsin nebraska i have a game preview we're going to talk with uh you'll hear uh joe rudolph the 1993 team that went to the rose bowl and won the 94 rose bowl he spoke. He's obviously the Wisconsin cor- uh, offensive coordinator for Wisconsin. He will uh, talk about that season. He talked with reporters about that earlier on Tuesday. And so I had a chance to talk to him about Chris Hine, one of the outside linebackers, uh, and among other, and a bunch of reports had a bunch of other questions about that season as well. So uh, you'll hear about his thoughts on that team, and we'll give some facts there that are c- courtesy of UW in just a little bit. But a little checking in real quick and just, you know, it is Nebraska week. It's for the Freedom Trophy. It's the fifth time they'll be playing. Wisconsin and Nebraska will be playing for that trophy. And Wisconsin, it's been pretty one-sided. The Badgers have held on to it ever since, since its inception. Uh, and last year, of course, they brought it back home from Lincoln. And Wisconsin all-time in the series is 8-4 and four against Nebraska, and they've won the last five straight and that includes, that started with the 2012 Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis where obviously the meme or the phrase Wisconsin scored again became a hashtag and sort of a lifestyle, uh, especially against Nebraska. So, uh, but you know, let's look real quick at the injury report. There's a preliminary injury report that was brought out on Monday, and among those, there's five that are there. Uh, the two big names, in my opinion, uh, that are questionable, obviously it's outside linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle with a right leg uh, injury, and he is he played against Iowa. Mostly you saw some third down packages, some sub packages there, sparingly used. Tyler Johnson and Zach Bond did get the start that week. And then Fayon Hicks with the right arm injury, he wasn't on the injury report Back for for the Iowa week, he played, obviously, against the Hawkeyes. Didn't necessarily have the best of games, as you saw, just dealing with, uh, you know, he had that uh, gave up the long pass to T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end for the Hawkeyes, had a big game against Wisconsin that we noted last week. But also joining him, and these guys are kind of upgraded, right? Uh, Tight end Luke Benchwell. Right leg injury, he's questionable. Mike Mascalunas, who's a backup, uh, I believe used on special teams at, uh, when he's healthy. Right leg injury, he's questionable. Bradrick Shaw is the big name that was upgraded. 
left leg injury that tore, if I'm not mistaken, it was a reported torn ACL and having him back could add even more depth potentially to the Wisconsin backfield though. Right now they're, in my opinion, good with Taiwan deal, Garrett Grosha, Chris James, who, uh, along with Jonathan Taylor puts up a pretty formidable backfield, uh, when they have their opportunities. So, uh, Griffin Grady's still out for Wisconsin with the right leg injury. Also, like Mascalunas, a reserve inside linebacker. And uh, nothing's really changed else for who else has been out for the season. So it is a, you know, we'll see what Van Ginkle and, and, and Hicks and it, what they're able to do. You saw on the depth chart, I mean, Hicks is still on that, on the depth chart as one of the starters. Uh, but you're also seeing an or symbol on that depth chart for Caesar Williams, the redshirt sophomore and Deron Harrell, the redshirt freshman uh, for first team. So my guess is if Hicks can't go, obviously Harrell and Caesar Williams would get the nod as starters and Harrell started against Iowa. But also there's some news last week during the bye week after we had the podcast reserve defensive end Keldrick Preston wasn't on the depth chart. He is no longer with the team. UW confirmed that with Bucky's fifth quarter, along with earlier, you know, Zach Halpern from WOZN and, uh, and others. Can, uh, John McNamara first noticed that he was off the roster uh, last week. So uh, did not get much playing time. Uh, only played in one career game. He was a redshirt sophomore. Uh, best of luck to Keldrick. Uh, but, you know, he was, was one of those things where there, nothing's been officially been said about what, how, or why he left the program. I do know he was right around 250 pounds. Uh, talking to Coach Noki Brechterfield during the spring, he wanted, Brecht, uh, he wanted Preston to be up around 265, 270, and, you know, he was always floating around 250-ish or so, uh, but also did, just didn't make, didn't really break out, you know, where you – lose three defensive ends like Chikwe Obashi and Connor Sheehy, Alec James. And he didn't pop up as, as, as quickly or didn't cement a role in the two deep. Uh, and you see guys like, you know, Isaiah Loudermilk, obviously, but then you also had redshirt freshmen, three of them, Caden Lyles, who transferred over to the, from the offensive line. You had Aaron Vopel, but then also Matt Henningsen, a walk-on. He also... Uh, you know, they also, you know, redshirt freshman making, uh, you know, the two deep there at end. And it'll be interesting to see uh, where he goes. Best of luck to, to Keldrick on that end. And uh, but looking forward now, uh, we are looking at Nebraska and just taking a look at this team. Let me just make sure I bring up my notes here. But, yeah, it is, uh, I mean, it's Nebraska week. I mean, the big notes, look over at our friends, by the way, for SB Nation at uh, cornnation.com. What's up with Corn Nation is that, uh, look at the depth chart back on uh, yesterday. They, they kind of had a note about what exactly uh, was going on with the, the new depth chart they had. Um, looking at that, Eric Lee Jr. is now one of the stars at cornerback, uh, which replaced Lamar Jackson. Uh, you also had, uh, you know, guys like uh, Tanner Farmer moving up as a starting center, replacing Cole Conrad. Uh, Bo Wilson is a right guard. And, you know, Divine Ozigbo, great running back, had 170 yards last week against Purdue on, you know, 10 yards per carry average, two touchdowns. He is the sole starting running back now. Cade Warner, son of... 
former Green Bay Packer training camp star, Kurt Warner, obviously Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, uh, is uh, now uh, one of the starters, too, as a number th- wide receiver three. And then you're looking at that, too. Uh, I mean, I'm just taking a look at anything more. Uh, Jaron Woodyard is the starter, kick returner. And J.D. Spellman, the leading receiver for the Huskers, is the number one punt returner. So make sure, like I said, that's all courtesy of coordination.com. Make sure you guys go check them out uh, for all Nebraska news, notes, and analysis there. But let's get to know Nebraska a little bit more, right? This is a team 0-4, 0-2 in the Big Ten, not necessarily doing uh, you know, a, a whole lot, a lot of good in Scott Frost's first season at least record-wise. And this is some quick stats. So, we'll, by the way, we'll have a preview article up on Bucky's fifth quarter about Nebraska coming up tomorrow, hopefully, and then also a Q&A session with Court, one of Coronation's great writers, too. So that'll be up later next week. But offensively, uh, they're only having, I mean, the numbers don't look bad in terms of balance. Rush offense, they're, you know, they're rushing the ball, running the ball, about 204 yards a game, 203.5, 41st in the nation. Passing offense, they're right 100, you know, 50-50 really in terms of total yards, right about 207. That's 87th in the nation. But, you know, overall, I mean, they're averaging about 411 yards per contest, folks. And that's going to be really, uh, you know, something that they're going to have to, Wisconsin's going to have to contend with because there's a lot going on with, with a dual-threat type quarterback in Adrian Martinez. And, you know, obviously Ozigbo, who had a big game last week. So, uh, I mean, looking at scoring offense, though, what, what gets to them, though, is they're only scoring 21.2 points per contest. And then on top of that, their third down conversion is 117th in the nation, which it's 32%, only converted 17 of their 53 opportunities. And that's something that will be key for Wisconsin's defense to, to key in on. And, and how to defend. I mean, the big thing, I mean, you have, you have some skill players on this Nebraska squad. I mean, Zigbo, they also have Greg Bell uh, and Maurice Washington at, at running back. But then, you know, wide receiver-wise, you have, you know, Spielman. Uh, Spielman leads the team in receptions with 23, four touchdown receptions. Stanley Morgan Jr. averages nearly 16 yards per catch and leads the team in receiving with 269 yards. Uh, in that category. So that's going to be a big test for Wisconsin, I think, for the, the secondary again, uh, to rebound from that loss against I or that winning in Iowa, but had a rough game, giving up 256 yards passing to Nate Stanley and company, but also trying to defend that dual threat quarterback. Try to, their linebackers, you know, like Ryan Connolly, TJ Whitehurst, they're going to have to have their eyes trained against a type of quarterback uh, that's, that, has, that is mobile, but also can air it out. Uh, defensively, though, for as potent as Nebraska's offense could be underneath Scott Frost's offense and scheme that he brought over from Central Florida, the defense for Nebraska has just been really poor, and, and the numbers prove it there. Uh, they're giving up almost 39 points per contest. That's 118th in the nation. They're giving up 165 yards per game on the ground, which Bo Benchwell, who you'll hear from in just a couple minutes, and the offensive line should be salivating over. Uh, 80th in the nation there. Uh, pass defense, uh, almost 250 yards f- per game, and that's 94th in the nation. And, I mean, it's uh, total yards. It's almost 414. 
you're it's 97th in the nation. So that is a, you know, the defense underneath, you know, Eric uh, Chenander has been still working through. It's a work in progress. Uh, you know, third down conversion defense. They're allowing almost, you know, they're allowing 39% of the uh, the opposing offenses to move the chains on that down. So that's going to be, again, a key thing. It sounds cliche, but you convert on third down, which Wisconsin's known for. Uh, about They're moving the chains at 49% of those third downs. Uh, that's going to be big for Wisconsin to keep everything moving along. And But, you know, despite them being a, you know, really a, just a, it being a rough go for the Huskers defense, you know, Bo Benchwell talked about, you know, they have a good number of standout guys in that front seven. Uh, Joe Rudolph mentioned they have an odd front now, which is like a, sort of like a 3-4, if you think odd front, three defensive linemen there. And really, I mean, you know, Benchwell called out Carlos Davis. The, the nose guard has three tackles for loss on the year already. Uh, and, you know, he, he mentioned the depth that outside, that, you know, good outside backers, uh, names to look at for that. Uh, Luke Gifford and Tyron Ferguson, they've combined for 10 tackles for loss and three and a half sacks through four games. Uh, Muhammad Barry, a former Wisconsin commit, uh, he leads the team in tackles with 37 and, and is tied for the team lead with Gifford and Ferguson with five apiece. And then, uh, you know, uh, fellow inside linebacker uh, Diedrich Young, 25 tackles, three for loss. And so that linebacking core, you know, Benchwell praised, uh, the, the, you know, the depth there. And so we'll see what Wisconsin can do against that front seven. Uh, for in the secondary, you mentioned Eric Lee being a starter, but also uh, DiCaprio Boodle uh, is a first-team corner. He leads the team and also the nation with 10 pass breakups already, and that's impressive there. Uh, despite Nebraska giving up so many yards through the air, you have a talented cornerback there uh, that Wisconsin will have to keep an eye out. You know, Alex Hornibrook and company will have to keep an eye out for especially, you know, I mean, there's talented receivers for Wisconsin with Danny Davis, A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, uh, also Jake Ferguson at tight end. Uh, but I'm wondering, uh, you know, how they'll, uh, how, you know, what happens in, the, in that matchup on Saturday night. Uh, special teams real quick for Nebraska too. Uh, Barrett Pickering's only three of six for field goals, three of four between 20 to 39 yards, but 0 of two from 40 yards or more. And then uh, punter Caleb Lightborn's average 42 yards per punter uh, per punt, uh, with only three inside the 20-yard line. And there's already been two punt returns going for touchdowns against the Huskers this year. So the stats say obviously that the Badgers should take it to Nebraska. However, really, it, uh, I mean, you saw what happened against BYU. Wisconsin has had a week to rest to see Nebraska and guarantee, and they, they, they'll take it one game at a time. Uh, it starts on Saturday night against Nebraska, and, and the Huskers uh, will give my game prediction down in just a little bit uh, at the end of the show. But uh, Wisconsin, I mean, I think they should be able to move the, move the ball pretty well it's just a matter of how the defense can acclimate and adapt to what QB1 for the Huskers for Xigbo for, for what Morgan and Spielman can do uh, with those skill positions for, for the Huskers and how Wisconsin can defend that under the lights of Camp Randall Stadium but let's get to real quick uh, we had a nice conversation with Bo Benchwell I did earlier this uh, earlier today actually uh, and talked about just the bye week 
how we, you know, how you prepare, the, the, the mentality of, of being refreshed after a bye week and more. So without further ado, here's Bo Benchwall, right, starting right guard for your Wisconsin Badgers here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Class, but uh, we're here with Bo Benchwall and Bo Hop. I mean, I, you just talked about it a second ago before I started to click the record button, but uh, how was the bye week and, and recharging your batteries? It was good. It was very, very much needed. Uh, the legs are thanking me uh, just from a recovery standpoint and all that. It really, really helps. And then, uh, you know, heading into, I mean, when it comes to, you know, you getting some guys back potentially and then also just, like, what is the – bye week I mean mentally do for you where it comes uh, it has the ability to you know do you guys reassess what you guys did during the first couple of you know first four games and then you know look ahead like mentally what does it do for you um I think it definitely just just uh like refreshes you um gets you gets you back into that kind of mentality like we're gonna have to win games because of how hard we work and and what we do not based on like who we are so I think it's a really good chance for guys to to take a step back like because you're not practicing as much so you can take a step back and really think about like why it's so important to us why we want to do the things we want to do and looking at the you know the first four games like how how do you assess the offensive line's performance through you know for the first third of the season and, and what are some of the things that you liked and th- some things that you want to improve upon i think i think we've been playing well but um i think it's just a starting point i think we all kind of realize our potential and it's like i said it, it, it comes down to us working through it and, and just getting better week to week so um that's really our goals right now as an offensive line and as like the whole unit is just to get better week in week out and just be a better team as the season goes on uh, have you had a chance to look at a lot of film from nebraska yet and i mean and also with that i know their stats may not look great yeah. uh, on paper but uh, who stands out to you with that the huskers uh, unit um I think they've got a really good number of standout guys. Uh, their their nose is a really good player, uh, Carlos. I don't remember his last name, but he's he's good squ- uh, squatty player. They've got a couple of good guys at uh, outside backers. They've got some depth at um, at linebacker too. So those are really the guys we watch. But but no, I mean their record might not show it, but they're 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 a good hard nosed football team that uh, that's going to give us everything we can handle, and we know what to expect. So we can make sure that our preparation matches that. When you have a team like that, too, where they haven't won in the first four games and our new coaching regime with Scott Frost, does it add any extra urgency on you guys to make sure you perform? Is there like, How do you guys approach it when you have a team maybe that's a little hungry and, and try to make a statement here on the road? Exactly. You don't want to overlook a team like this like because guys that haven't played Nebraska before, uh, for instance, don't know like what kind of, what kind of game it's going to be. So... So we know that no matter like what their record is, what the, what it looks like, we're going to get their best game, no doubt, because they're going to have a fuel. Um, they're going to have a fuel under their fire, or whatever the saying is. So, uh, so, so it's gonna they're going to be motivated to come in here and, and get that first one of the season for for sure. Uh, when you look at, I mean, just going back to the last game, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it, but that that jumbo package. Yeah. Uh, how did the guy like you know Logan Bress, redshirt fresh freshman, come in? And, you know, him and Jason were both back there. But, like, how has Logan really lo- improved from what you've seen in the, even, like, yeah. spring and fall camp to, to now and getting some meaningful playing time? I think that's definitely why he was the, the first one up in that package was because um, he improved greatly through through camp and just throughout the rest of the, 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 or the first part of the season. So um, you can just tell with, like, a guy like that, he's, he's going to be able to make plays for us. 
whether he's on the offensive line or at like the tight end spot in that jumbo package. So yeah, I mean, as long as I mean, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and and putting it on tape, uh, the coach is going to try to do whatever they can to get you in. So yeah, it's only going to help us. When it comes to then also, I mean, you guys are playing underneath the lights. I know for them not to look ahead, but Michigan, you're also playing night yeah, games. Right. Like Every fourth. night game this year, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think uh, I don't really know what it's about, but I think it's a way for the like the Big Ten, I guess, to keep us in like the big games. So it's like the spotlight games and stuff, which is good. Um, if you want to be the best team, you have to play under the best circumstances. So. That's what we got to do then, yeah. How does your mentality change then when it comes to, you know, playing in that type of atmosphere compared to, I mean, yeah. you know, to 11 or a 2.30 kick? Yeah, so, like, for those early games, you can, like, just wake up and you're already in football mode. But um, for some of those later games, you have to, like, wait around and then, like, slowly build it up. So, it's yeah, it's a little bit of a learning curve as far as being ready for game time and stuff like that. And my last question to you, what's your favorite play to run? <laughs> power plays most likely uh just ground and pound football for sure and that was redshirt senior right guard for your wisconsin badgers bo benchwell here on bucky's fifth podcast and thanks for him to speaking with uh with us today and you hear from joe rudolph offensive coordinator for wisconsin also one of the guards from the 1993 team that went to the rose bowl a uh, little later maybe about five to ten minutes but you know, it's going to be a really interesting weekend uh, with Nebraska. Obviously, you have the present with the t- two programs facing each other. You're going to have the past with the 1993 team that's going to be uh, there. You know, that's going to be honored. Uh, and from what UW had said, I think about they said about 70 former players, coaches will be in attendance. And then also, you're going to, you could have potentially the future. And so, you know, that goes into recruiting with football. And looking into this right now, uh, from the football side of things, you have, you know, it's, and some of this has been confirmed already through uh, paywalled sites or, or forums like that, uh, but some players that are going to be in attendance uh, at the game uh, visiting for Wisconsin. Uh, look at the commits to start off with. You have... Hayden uh, Rucci, the four-star tight end according to Rivals, having a huge year, by the way. We're going to have an article up hopefully in the next day or so about what the recruits are doing this year for their respective high schools. And he's averaging almost 22 yards a catch, already has four touchdowns. I think he's got 16 receptions on him already. And a uh, big year for Hayden Rucci. He's going to be coming in. Uh, we confirmed that with him earlier this week. Uh, first notice noted by BadgerBlitz.com and, and The Athletic, uh, Spencer Lytle. Uh, BadgerBlitz.com first had it underneath their paywall. They he can they uh, he confirmed with B5Q earlier today that he'll be in town. One name that both rivals and 24/7 Sports is, is mentioning, uh, Jared Casey. He's a four-star inside linebacker, number 16 inside linebacker in the nation. They are noting that he will be in town according to the respective profile pages they have on him. Uh, we reached out to him. Uh, we're still waiting on a confirmation about if he's going to be there or not. Uh, Joe Tipman, another four-star lineman, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, from uh, the Indiana area, having a big year for, uh, for his high school. Uh, Badger Blitz had it up behind the uh, paywall first, but uh, he confirmed it with us at, at Bucky's fifth quarter, too, just confirming 
uh, that he is going to be in town for the game. And then also, uh, also hearing, uh, was, you saw on, uh, if you subscribe to The Athletic, uh, you know, earlier, I think it was last week, along with uh, what's been going on, I think, on BadgerBlitz.com too, Graham Mertz, the four-star quarterback, will be in town, the commit. Uh, B5Q uh, heard he will be in town too, but I'm going to reach out and confirm with him if he's going to be in town as well. So, uh, and there's going to be plenty more. Make sure you guys check back Saturday morning. We'll have something up, an article published about which potential visitors will be in town. Uh, and stay tuned for more because it's, it's a big weekend. It's the, the biggest home game of the year outside of Minnesota and because of the rivalry there. But underneath the lights is Camp Randall Stadium, 6.30 p.m., Big Ten Network. It's obviously the, the ripe environment to see Wisconsin play and get that atmosphere. So uh, stay tuned for that. But now, looking to the potential future, we look to the past, right? And so the 1993 team will be honored at halftime. And like I said, about 70 former players and coaches will be in attendance. It's, it's going to be a big event. And I'm, I'm going through, and, and among those that Wisconsin mentioned in a press release, and it's pretty, pretty crazy to see on this, uh, you know, obviously, athletic director Barry Alvarez, who was head coach at the time, will be there. Uh, offensive coordinator Brad Childress and defensive coordinator Dan McCarney will both be there. Uh, Childress, obviously, you should know him, not just as the offensive coordinator of Wisconsin, but head coach of the Minnesota Vikings uh, and also having a long career as an NFL assistant. He will be in town. And then you have Daryl Bevel, obviously the first-team All-Big Ten selection. Quarterback had that rushing touchdown that capped the game, that, that sealed the game sealed the game for Wisconsin back in that 94 Rose Bowl. Joe Panos, former walk-on, uh, turned NFL pro, turned NFL agent. Uh, Jeff Messenger as uh, a defensive back. Michael Rohn, tight end. Lamarck Shackerford, nose tackle. And, of course, Terrell Fletcher, part of that two-headed monster with Brent Moss. Terrell Fletcher will be in town had eight years in the NFL. He will be in town uh, and will, will also be honored. Along with a guy like, uh, from what I'm hearing too, potentially, uh, for sure I know Chris Hine, the outside linebacker for Wisconsin uh, back in those days, had 53 tackles and, and 11 starts during that season. And, and you, know, let's, you know, he will be there. I'm hearing Jeff Worth, the reserve fullback, who had a key part in that in special teams, but also uh, in that Rose Bowl once fullback Mike Montgomery was kicked out of that game. Uh, very much a special, you know, it's going to be a special group. I'm interested in seeing who's all going to be there. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, to, to, to see them, and this is as a kid, right? Uh, growing up, that 1993 team meant a lot, uh, obviously to the program, but to the state of Wisconsin. This is a team that really, you know, put Wisconsin on the map, not just going to the Rose Bowl, but winning it. The, Wisconsin's best game was known as a loss, and that was to the, in the 1963 Rose Bowl for that 1962 squad. So this, uh, this 93 team put Wisconsin back on the map, uh, I, put, I put it on the map, maybe even for the first time, and really you've seen a success since then. And, and really just to go through some stats that I laid out here, and this is according from UW. I mean, back that team, school record 10 wins. They captured the Big Ten title. And like I mentioned earlier, not just advanced to the Rose Bowl, but won the granddaddy of them all. Uh, looking now, I mean, looking at this, gosh, uh, 
Before 93, this is from UW. Before 1993, Wisconsin had only played in six bowl games, winning just one. And in the last 25 years, they've played in 23 and won 14 of them. That's a crazy statistic there. And then on top of that, uh, you know, Wisconsin's won 10 or more games 12 times in the past 25 years after not having won more than nine in the first 104 years of the program. So it took... I mean, that's just a crazy stat from Wisconsin. I read that verbatim almost from what UW gave us, and that's just really insane to see just the, the pillars of success. And it really that team, how that team influenced future teams and getting back, you know, and now you see just this continued success. And now Wisconsin's, you know, outside, I know they lost to BYU, right? But they're still going, you know, they're still in talks each year. You know, as not just for the conference, but there's outlier talk for the college football playoff. And we'll get into, like, if they can beat Nebraska and if they can beat Michigan, we'll talk about this year's squad potentially having that ability to be a college football playoff contender again. But we'll see how that goes, uh, especially after, uh, like I said, the next couple of games. The Michigan game, if they can come out with a victory against the Wolverines, uh, would help propel them better in that conversation. But, again, folks, it's going to be something that they're going to have, you know, take care of game at a time and they can't overlook Nebraska just like Bo Benchwell had mentioned before but you know offensive coordinator we mentioned this earlier Joe Rudolph you know talked with reporters earlier on Tuesday and obviously being a huge part of that 1993 squad yeah he had a lot to remember a lot to say we're going to hear from him right now on Bucky's fifth podcast honoring the 93 team uh, this on Saturday what about that season do you remember the sticks out to you that maybe most people don't don't know or don't remember? Um, it wasn't all easy, you know. It, it, uh, there were some there was there were some games you had to you had to fight through. Not everything was perfect, and um, you you just kept uh, you just kept trusting and you kept working. And Coach Elvy would say, "Follow the plan." You kept following the plan, and and um, and things things worked out. And uh, the coolest thing was. Uh, not only that year, but the coolest thing was seeing the teams that came afterwards. Like that—that's cool. Like, it's—it's it's awesome if you do something once, but it's uh, truly special when it carries forward. And watching teams like like Max team and and, and, and Ross's team and Jimmy's teams and, and uh, Scotty Tolzien's teams and all and the teams now, like you, you go through it, and that's the coolest part of all of it. You mentioned following the plan. Was it difficult to do after the tie with Ohio State? Um, you know what? I I would say this. Uh, it, it it wasn't it wasn't because I think we left there kind of um, pissed, like felt like did enough to win that game. You know what I mean? And you get down there and on that drive and and you didn't finish the you didn't finish. You get the field goal block, I believe. Yeah. And um and it ends in a tie. And so. I think it. I think it just kept us hungry. You know what I mean. And where at times, you know, it could have been an easy thing to say, "Well, we were close," or "It's not our year," or you know what I mean. And it just kept driving that group. And and um, that 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 was cool. You had to overcome adversities. That's when the season starts. When you hit adversity, it's the first time you get to you get to um, really gain an identity of who you are. So was it tough to kind of back in 90 during that season to kind of find your footing after the, the Michigan game and what happened after after that with the, with the crush? 
Yeah, so we played Michigan, and then we, we do we play Ohio State the next oh, week? Yes. Yeah, it was just a little weird, you know what I mean? It was such emotions were, were uh, so high, and then emotions were, like, confusing, you know what I mean? Because we, you know, we were probably out of practice to celebrate, and really more than anything else, you know? Um, but you, you, they, they did some great things during the week to kind of lock us in. They kept us updated on the, on the kids that were hurt and the people that were in the hospital, and and so we were ready. Like, we, we were ready when, when it was time to go. And, again, you hit adversities during the year. Those are the stories. Like, those, that is, that's what the season ends up molding around, you know, like how you respond to those types of things. So, in the end, it's, it's, uh, it's part of it and build us, and, and it probably helped us more than anything. Joe, I know Hanos had the line after the Big Ten opener that year, I think, at Indiana. They say, you know, why not Wisconsin? When, when did you think that that team had a shot? I, I always thought when someone when someone asked me, I thought there were uh, I thought there were two things that, that set the season. I can't remember what happened first. I believe the SMU game happened first, and it was like you could you could find a way to win when when you're not at your best. That's that's a good that's a quality of a winning program. Um, and we had to fight through some stuff and the weird environment and figure it out. And and you just kept plugging and and, and in the end you you you, you finished it and you won the game. And then the next time. I think it was on the road at Indiana where who are you going to be against Big Ten teams? Like, how are you going to match up and what are you going to do? And, um, and that was a, uh, I think that was a big game. And then it set the tone for games like the Michigan game and the Ohio State game. This is from a player like Chris Hine playing linebacker. What do you remember about him back in that season? Hops? Yeah. Hops, Hops was one of the finest dunkers of all time. Tiny Hops. <laughs> he, he was, you know. I didn't see him for a while. Last time I saw him, he was playing hacky sack on the corner of State Street. I told him the Eagles were trying to get a hold of him. He said, I'm good, dude, I'm good. <laughs> I said, okay, Heiner. Um, and then now he's teaching, he's in, he was a coach and he's, a, he's an athletic administrator and, and um, he's awesome. He's touching lives and he's helping kids. And, but I, I, I just remember that defense being uh, playing together, you know, energy feeding off each other. You know what I mean? Playmakers that, at uh, in the backfield, like uh, Messenger and Kenny Gales, and and in the lines like uh, Shaq and Thompson, and, you know what I mean? Like you, you had yeah, good players, Yusef at backer and and Umvi, and it, yeah, you just they, they fed off each other. Like the names, the faces, the energy it was it was good. Like when you were out in the field, man, you were pumped and cheering. And sometimes Callahan couldn't get me back to sit down to listen to the <laughs> coaching points because I'm screaming. At, you know what I mean? But it was like it, it was a good energy back and forth. What was your reaction to how many Wisconsin fans were at the Rose Bowl that year? How many? How many fans the were fans? at the Rose Bowl? Phenomenal, phenomenal. I thought it gave us a great edge in, in the football game. Um, I think when we came out and we saw that place just covered in red, there was uh, no matter what feeling you had going in, um, as strongly as you felt, there's a confidence that washes over you when you travel like that. You know the people love you and they're excited to cheer for you and watch you and there was an incredible energy to that, that that we really appreciated and folks once again that was offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph talking um, just about obviously that 1993 team and it, you know like I said uh, well actually going forward uh, for those that listen to the podcast because it was a long conversation it'll be a, a B5Q extra You'll hear from Chris Hine, the outside linebacker, who had a huge game against Michigan that season. 
and will uh, talk more with me about what he's doing. We'll have an article up on him later this week, too, uh, here on Bucky's fifth podcast, uh, but fifth quarter, I should say. But you'll hear the, the podcast as an extra uh, coming up in ju- uh, probably right after this conversation right now. And this weekend, the Wisconsin Badgers are honoring the 1993 team that, of course, won 10 games, went to you know, won, won out the Big Ten uh, title. They won the Big Ten t- championship. And then on top of that, uh, of course, won the program's first ever Rose Bowl. And joining me, someone that I've had a, the privilege to talk with, ye- you know, years ago back for Walk On This Way. It's already been two years for the book. But uh, I had a chance to talk with him even earlier before that. We have Chris Hine, outside linebacker on that 93 squad, with us here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Chris 25 years, does that seem that long ago? Uh, no, it doesn't, but, um, you know, I'm excited about this weekend, but but it's a kind of a reality check that it, that it was actually 25 years now. So, um, you know, it's uh, a little bit depressing that way, but, um, <laughs> but it's going to be a great weekend just to, you know, reliving the memories with, with the guys and, and uh, former coaches. So I'm definitely excited about the weekend. I mean, looking at UW's release, they said about seven, like over 70 players, coaches, uh, which is insane to hear, you know, just with so many, uh, you, you've, you've heard the Joe Panos's, Joe Rudolph's, you know, Barry Evers, obviously the athletic director will be there. You're going to be in attendance. Uh, Lamar Shackerford. I mean, the list can go on. Jeff Messenger uh, from that, those teams. Uh, is there, I mean, I, I guess, you know, how excited are you to come back this weekend and chat with some old teammates and coaches that maybe you haven't had a chance to really talk with uh, in, in years? Yeah, some of them, um, I would say 25 years almost, you know, it's since, I've, since I've seen some. Uh, they emailed us a list probably about a week ago, and, and it, was, it did look to be around 70 people. So I was surprised some of the names uh, that I saw on there because I haven't seen some of them in, you know, since – our playing days back at Wisconsin. So um, just really excited to, to catch up with a lot of my former teammates and, and former coaches and, and, you know, see what they've been up to and, and also, you know, relive memories and stories. And I'm anticipating a lot of laughs, it's, that's for sure, uh, come Saturday. And then really excited to get out on the field and, and uh, with the crowd and the amazing Badger fans. Uh, at halftime, we'll be out there, and just to feel that energy again will be, you know, really exciting. Also, yeah, we're here with Chris Hine on, on Bucky's fifth podcast, and I mean, I I spoke with offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph today. Obviously, uh, one of the offensive linemen on that 1993 squad, and I said, "How? Who? You know, what do you remember about Chris Hine?" And he said, "This first word out of his mouth was hops." And uh, Heine Hops was, I believe, your nickname, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, feel free to tell the the fans just how you got that nickname and and, and how that grew. Yeah, I think. Well, I think the nickname was given to me by Dwight Reese, who uh, was the outside linebacker, starting outside linebacker my my sophomore year. So I was playing behind him, backing him up, and playing special teams my freshman sophomore year. And, uh, he gave me that nickname just kind of had a reputation as a a, a dunker um you know we well we obviously 
you know, a lot of our time and energy was focused to football. We all, a lot of us like to play basketball and, and play in intramurals or play pickup games. And so, um, I was a fairly good player from high school and all state basketball player in high school. And, uh, uh, got a chance to show some of the guys that, that I had a little bit of basketball game too. So they started calling me Heine Hoffs just because of my vertical jump and uh, ability to dunk. So was, um, before uh, the Badger football team had their dunk contest, which you know I've, I've seen some of the highlights on social media of Jimmy Leonard back in the day um, dunking and things like that. We didn't we didn't have that at that time, but I, um, I feel pretty good that I would have won it if we would have had one back in '93, '94. <laughs> too i mean you know when i i sent you uh, just for those that uh, the fans that don't know the behind the scenes i sent chris some of the audio from what uh joe rudolph had said and just you know he had the joke there uh with with, with the hops and one of the best dunkers that he's seen and then on top of that uh you know uh, joe just went on about that defense and before we get into that defense and, and that team in general just uh how was your journey to, you know, you're, you kind of touched base a little bit on it uh, with your, you know, you started that 93 team, but you're mostly special teams the couple years before that 93 squad. But how did you get to Wisconsin? I mean, you played at Plymouth uh, and, uh, and, you know, multi-sport athlete. Uh, just how did you get to, to Wisconsin? Um, yeah, I grew up in Poland, Wisconsin, and uh, was a three-sport athlete there. Um, really was kind of under the radar in terms of recruiting. I, I didn't attend any football camps, mostly because I was playing summer baseball at that time for Plymouth and uh, played basketball in the winter and football in the fall, so um, was a bit under the radar as a, as a recruit in high school. And um, A high school coach who had been uh, a college coach at Lakeland University, which is you know in Sheboygan, which is near Plymouth, had had noticed me and he had passed on my video to uh, actually the head coach that he knew at Grand Valley State, Michigan. And this was on, you know, in like uh, March of my senior year. And they actually had me come out there for a visit and, and put me through a combine basically and offered me a, a scholarship, a D2 scholarship on the spot there. And I, I turned them down because at that point I kind of made up my mind that I was going to walk on in Wisconsin. And, uh, I'll never forget their head coach telling me that, that he didn't think I had what it took to play Division One football. And that, you know, I'd always been motivated by doubters, and that kind of sealed the deal for me. So um, ended up walking on at Wisconsin, and uh, Coach Alvarez was, uh, I think, noticed me pretty early and, and uh, kind of told me to stick with it, that I, he thought I definitely had a future at Wisconsin and that I'd be a scholarship athlete there someday. And he told me that, I think, the second day I was – I mean, 
looking at your, I mean, going to the 1993 team and, and looking at some of your old game records, you started 11 games during that 1993 season, 53 tackles. Uh, what's the first memory that pops out in your head about that season? Boy, I'm, I mean, I flashed through a lot of different memories. Um, some personal, like, you know, for me, probably the highlight for me that season was the Michigan game. Um, you know, with us coming off the disappointing loss in Minnesota and then, you know, being underdogs against Michigan or not a lot of people thinking we could beat Michigan after we just dropped one to Minnesota and, and uh, pulling off that great victory. And for me personally, having one of my better games of that season, uh, you know, and then you think about the, the tragedy after that with, with, with the celebration that kind of went wrong in the stands. And so, you know, you think about the Michigan game and, and the peaks and valleys of that, of that day, the highs and then the lows of what occurred after. And, um, I think about that. I think about uh, the SMU game earlier in the year, the second game of the season, when, you know, where nobody really had expectations for us and we were down at halftime in that game and then found a way to win uh, the second half on the road, which was something that, you know, Wisconsin hadn't been doing traditionally. It's finding ways to win. We had really been finding ways to lose games for the previous, you know, 10 years. So you think about that game, I think about Indiana going on the road, first Big Ten game and winning there. For me, then, I also, that was kind of a point where I realized that why not Wisconsin? You know, as panels would famously say, um, and I knew that we were a contender to just to go into a, a Big Ten stadium on the road and win a game. Um, so there's a lot of things. There's a, you know, the trip to Japan, all the preparation that went into that, and then the victory and the celebration in Tokyo. And, uh, so it's, there's just so many, so many memories um, about that season. I was to say, Chris, too, I mean, it, I remember you talking to me for the book, uh, for Walk On This Way. You and I were talking about with Michigan, you were, uh, when the games were on WTMJ 620 AM, weren't you their player of the game and you got a chance to talk with, uh, you know, go to your, your kind of your hometown station immediately after that, you know, like a day or two after the game? Yeah, yep. I was uh, fortunate enough to be, be a WTMJ player of the game. I still have the plaque. Uh, from them, and uh, I, yeah, I was interviewed, I think it was Monday after it, uh, the Saturday win on TMJ, so that was definitely a highlight and a special memory uh, for me and, you know, for my parents and my hometown, and um, it was, you know, it was just another special memory on a, in a, of a special season. And, you know, you also uh, just, we talked about back a few years ago, just about the the Rose Bowl itself and just, you know, being the first, you know, team to go into Pasadena and win for Wisconsin, just what, you know, what was the feeling on the field uh, beforehand? Uh, how, just how did, what was the atmosphere, uh, you know, before, during, yeah. and after that, that game? I, I think about before the game, probably first, just you know, we were out there a week before the game and, and just the general kind of disrespect that, that we received from um, some of the, the locals. Obviously, they were, it was their hometown team that were playing UCLA at the Rose Bowl, their home stadium, and, and uh, um, them kind of viewing us as, you know, these 
rural farmers from the Midwest who are trying to come in here and you know and think they can play West Coast football and that we were inferior athletes. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I remember getting um, from some of the some of the people in the week leading up to the game, just being around the community. Um, so I mean, I think about that and the disrespect, you know, just feeling disrespected. Uh, Leading up to that game, I think we were at least touchdown underdogs going into that game, and, and uh, so I think about that, and, and which was kind of the story of our whole season. I mean, we went into the '93 season, nobody expected us to do anything, and, you know, in the national media or even in Madison for that matter. I mean, we haven't been to a rules, uh, to a bowl game since the early '80s, I think. So, uh, you know, I think about that, and then of course, I mean, the stadium was just amazing, and Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he was also on the the press release that went out last week to the media, and you know, let me ask you: when the clock strikes zero, and I mean, I I've rewatched that game for the book at least five to ten times, uh, and you hear Brian Manthe, who was but then the the play by play guy on six, I think it was on six twenty, uh, just you know his call at the end. But what was the elation on, on the you know on the field on the sideline? You know, overall just. Uh, when, you know, you guys, I mean, it was official. You beat UCLA and you were the Rose Bowl champions. Yeah, it was, um, you know, part relief, uh, part exhaustion because at that point the defense was on the field and they were making a last-ditch last effort to try to get in the end zone to win the game. So, you know, I didn't, I was, it wasn't the offense out on the field uh, running the clock out or anything like that where you had time to just absorb it all. We were literally on the field trying to stop UCLA from, from getting in the end zone. And so uh, on that final play, I think I remember Pete Monty making the tackle. He was a freshman at that time. I took the quarterback who took off and, you know, ran the ball, ran the clock out. I mean, it was, it was elation. It was uh, relief. It was, you know, exhaustion. I mean, all those <laughs> things uh, wrapped into one. And then, you know, immense pride for what we'd accomplished and, and where we had come from, you know, and those, to me, those are the best stories in sports, is the stories of the underdog, and there's just no doubt that going into that season, you know, if anybody would have projected us to be Rose Bowl champs and, and a top 10, top 5 team in the nation, I mean, people would have thought you were insane. Um, so that underdog story, there's just so much pride in what we had accomplished, uh, you know, not only for ourselves, but for the university and for the state of Wisconsin, who is so hungry 
uh, you know, especially university at that time for something of that magnitude. So. And, and, you know, you're one of the, the set of walk-ons with, you know, you and Jeff Worth and Chad Cascade, uh, Cadden and uh, Rick, Joe, Panos. Joe Panos, obviously one yeah. of the veteran, uh, you know, the, one of the team captains that you're one of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar, Lamar Shackerford, from what uh, Barry Alvarez had told us previously, was going to be a walk-on until they got him a scholarship back in 90 as well. So, I mean, you know, the walk-ons were represented there. Obviously, uh, like Vince Zullo, uh, Rick Schnetzky, yeah. the 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 lefty uh, kicker who had quite the personality and then uh, Sam Vite uh, among others. But uh, my last question to you, Chris is, is just, you look at the, the success, the continued sustained success of this team of this program since the 93 team. And, and what do you think, you know, that night, that 93 team has served, what do you think that 93 team served uh, did it serve as a catalyst for the success of this, you know, of the program, or how do you view the '90s, you know, your, you know, that team, uh, with yeah. what's happened since then to, to what you see now, where Wisconsin's in that conversation, and not just for a conference, but you know, right now on the outside looking in on on what is now the college football playoff. Um, you know, 25 years gone by, and I, I guess you start thinking about those things. But uh, as I reflect back, I. I you know, you want to have humility and not sound arrogant, but I think our group really set the foundation for Wisconsin football and what it would become. And obviously that was all a result of Coach Alvarez and the great leadership we had with all the assistance. But we became a group, um, and the culture of that program became that of grinders, uh, people that were going to be accountable to one another and to each other. And, and I think that's the foundation that, that we laid out. Uh, you know, that's why we were able to be successful that season. We didn't have number one draft picks all over our roster. And then when you look at our defense especially, uh, we were able to be successful and win a championship because we all had immense work ethic and we were all grinders and, and we all cared about each other and we, and we were going to be accountable to each other. We were going to be accountable to our coaches, accountable to our teammates. And Coach Alvarez had a, a spray count on me and that's something we all bought into and, and I think that's the foundation that's carried through um, through Coach Alvarez to now all the way through to Coach Christ is Wisconsin recruits I think intentionally kids that not only love football but but that are effort guys and high character guys and are grinders. You know, they're they're winning championships with two stars and three stars and we can have a whole separate discussion about what that all means. But uh, they're consistently in the top ten at the end of each season but never in the top ten in recruiting. And I think that's because of the foundation we laid and what the culture of the program's become. And that's guys with work ethic that are going to be accountable to one another and are going to lay it all on the line for their for their teammates and for their coaches. And now just uh, we have a couple of mailbag going on. The... You know, a couple of good questions coming in. Make sure you guys, uh, you guys can tweet at B5Q, at me, J, uh, at Jake Coco B5Q for any Wisconsin Badgers questions. Uh, first question is, how many players that started at walk-ons are participants this year? That's a great question, right? It's something that 
obviously Nebraska and Wisconsin are the two programs that are really known for utilizing their walk-ons. Wisconsin more so than Nebraska, I'd say, nowadays, just because you see the J.J. Watts, the Joe Schoberts, Mark Toshers, uh, et cetera, uh, you know, Alex Erickson, for that matter, getting just inking a nice deal. Congratulations to him, friend of the show. Uh, but really just taking a look. I'm taking a look at the, the game notes right now for this week. And you're already noting, and Corey, this is from Corey, so thanks to Corey on this. Really, the um, I'm looking at, for sure at the depth chart, like Xander Neville uh, on, for offense. Uh, you have Neville at tight end, and then uh, as the first team, and then Jack Dunn's the second teamer at wide receiver. Uh, so you have two there, and then on defense you have a guy like Matt Henningsen as a reserve defensive end. You have. Mike Mascalunas, Ryan Connolly at inside linebacker. Obviously, Connolly is their starting inside linebacker. And then you know, Tyler Johnson, an outside linebacker. You have uh, no one in the secondary. But then special teams, you have Connor Allen being a punter slash, but he's the main holder for Rafael Gaglianoni. Colin Larsh is a reserve kicker. Zach Hintz is the kickoff specialist. P.J. Rosowski has been a kickoff specialist, too. Uh, and he's in the two deep and, and whatnot. So you have those players that are contributing. Now, I, don't even, I don't even know who's on there for kickoff or punt return units, but I can guarantee you there's, you know, Gabe Lloyd is a name that's been out there that was there last year that was on special teams too. So there's a lot. He's the reserve tight end. I mean, you, there are players out there that really uh, that do contribute to this team, obviously, that did not start off their career with a scholarship. Those that had to earn the scholarships or are still working to earn it, um, you'll see more of that. Uh, Adam Crumholz is another player that has contributed as well. So there's, there's obviously that tradition is, is really obviously uh, ingrained in the program uh, and makes a difference, not just for those that are uh, really – you know, that are filling in the glue but uh, making an impact. And you saw that with Jack Sitchi, Troy Fumagalli in years past, uh, Daria Gumbawale. I could go on. The list could go on, right? Uh, the last question, uh, and thank you for this one too. With the redshirt rule in place, what players do you think are up next to play during the season? That's a great question. I hadn't thought about it a lot. But I'm, I'm honestly looking at right now probably, I mean, the defensive backs still. Uh, I'm looking, uh, I think, Really, it uh, depends on what happens with the team. But, like, if uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, Jim Leonard mentioned that a player like Rashad Wild Goose, a three-star corner who, you know, came in during the summer, uh, he, he's physically ready, but what will he do? What can he do? You know, like, it's just more picking up the speed on, on the defensive schemes. So I'm interested to see what Wild Goose can do. I'm also wondering, really just, uh, you know, if anyone else steps up, at, I don't know if running back like with Nakia Watson, even though he was highly touted coming in, uh, there's that stable of backs that are very uh, that are that are deep and are trusted by Wisconsin's coaching staff already. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, what happens in the defensive line if, if a guy like Isaiah Mullins could break through, uh, who's obviously physically the part, but it's just getting used to the techniques. Uh, but really, I. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm really not sure. I think right now Wisconsin has the players in place that they want to, uh, but you never know. You could always have a guy like Scott Nelson who last year probably, you know, they, they mentioned, yeah, I think 
last year could have benefited from that redshirt rule and getting some games underneath his belt and contributing early on there. So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think Jack's, you know, Travian Blaylock, I think, if he plays in this game, which, I mean, he's a special teams contributor. He's a true freshman defensive back. I think, I mean, that burns that, that red shirt right there if he plays in his fifth game uh, this weekend. Uh, and hopefully next week we'll have a feature up on him uh, uh, about his special teams progression and, and also learning about the defense underneath Jim Leonard uh, on Bucky's fifth quarter. But on that note, uh, you guys, it's been a great. Thank you guys again for coming out to Beer Rock, 2911 North Sherman Avenue here on the north side of town. And uh, thank you guys for joining us here. I, and make sure follow us on Twitter at B5Q, at B5Q. Also, Instagram uh, for Beer Rock, at Beer Rock, B-I-E-R-O-C-K, Madison on Twitter. Like them just at Beer Rock uh, on Facebook. Instagram, they got an Instagram page now. Uh, check them out. But then also, folks, uh, you know, for this podcast, uh, coming up, by the way, uh, for those uh, Railbird Central, going live 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on every Tuesday here at Beer Rock, you'll hear Brian and Ben go through the Packers win, big win, defensive win, 22-0 over the Buffalo Bills. And so uh, that's coming up in just a little bit. Make sure, you, for those that have the Venn diagram of Badgers and Packers fandom um, com, you know, converging, uh, make sure you guys check out Railbird Central. It's a great podcast. They do an amazing job. So uh, for this podcast, though, too, Make sure you guys subscribe or listen in on iTunes, on Google Play, on the TuneIn app. Really, subscribing uh, for those, really, what it does for you is uh, gets the episodes uploaded right to you immediately after it's available. So make sure you guys check that out as well. So, uh, for, you know, for everyone here at Beer Rock, again, big thanks to everyone. Check out Railbird Central coming up. In just a few minutes, uh, and, and listening uh, obviously on demand too. And for all of us here at uh, Beer Rock, this is Jay Kokorowski signing off. Have a great week. We'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Brady Ewing will be here, Wisconsin former Wisconsin fullback, NFL fullback, talking about his career, talking about what he saw from the Wisconsin Nebraska game as well. Here on Bucky's fifth podcast.